T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Oh my goodness. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for sticking and staying with us here at WCCO. You are listening to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. It is what I love to do is be with you on a Sunday night. So thank you. And by the way, I want to say thank you so much to Shaletta Brundage, who filled in for me last Sunday. Thank you, Shaletta. I know you did a great job. Also, Jonathan Lowe is um, um, my producer here at WCCO, along with Chris Tubbs, and they do a great job. We have some great guests for you tonight. Cannot wait. But as we uh, start out the night tonight, of course, the 29th annual SAG Awards are coming up near the end of February. And um, they had the nerves to send us a scorecard. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, okay, I did not see most of these movies, Jonathan. Did you see a whole lot of them or just a couple? I, I have not seen any of them yet. Usually, I'm, I'm horrible at seeing movies when they come out, especially, but when they get to the time where we can start viewing them, watching them, I. Uh, we could have done this starting a couple weeks ago. I think the, the nominations came out a couple weeks ago, but we still have a f- you know three four weeks to get all those movies in, and and maybe some of the shows shows you know they take longer because you might have ten or twelve or fourteen or twenty episodes, so they may take a little longer to get to. But um, I start I'm planning to start watching these films this week. Yep, me too. And and here's the bottom line is that I haven't seen any of them as well. And my daughter keeps saying to me, Mom, you haven't seen The Woman King? I was like, no, you haven't seen Teal? No, I'm really sorry. I haven't seen it yet, but it's worth it's worth it that I, I really take a look at these. Um, if you were to start watching the very, the very first one where you say, okay, it's time to begin looking at these pictures, which one would you choose first? Uh, I'm, I'm not... I'm not really focused on, okay, I really want to see this one first and the rest of them are just whatever. I usually do it by time, like, okay, if I want to watch a couple movies a night, because that's what I've done in the past. I've, I've watched, I go on a binge and, and watch maybe two movies in a time period. So I look at time like, okay, let's get rid of the longest movie first and then we'll go, you know, maybe mix some in shorter, longer, that sort of thing. So I look more at a time thing. I mean, there are some great movies out here. Uh, like you said, The Woman King, Tar, Till, uh, Elvis, mm-hmm. The Whale. 
the, everything the, everywhere all at once. Everything everywhere all at once is mm-hmm. getting a lot of of, of lot love of right play. now. A lot yeah, of it right a lot now. Of love. And I, I suspect they're going to get definitely win some things. I'm surprised at some of the people that are on these lists uh, that I haven't seen on the list in a while, like Colin Farrell. I haven't heard from Colin Farrell or Brendan Fraser in a long time. Yet they are listed as the outstanding performance by a male actor in a leading role. Um, of course, it's Colin Farrell and the Banshees of Inna Sharon. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And then there's Adam Sandler in The Hustle and Brendan Fraser in The Well. So there you go. And I'm really excited when I see names like Angela Bassett for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and I really hope she gets it. I'm not going to kid you. Um, but anyway, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to this, and we'll get Michael on the phone to help us uh, make our own decisions as well. Hey, before we have to take a break, I do want to mention that um, – our Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, told Axios that she is nervous about the U.S. defaulting on its debt and cautioned that Americans likely will face a scary and spiraling recession Recession if Congress doesn't raise the debt ceiling this summer. I don't know about you, Jonathan, but I get so frustrated with this. It seems like it happens all the time. It doesn't matter who the Treasury Secretary is. This time it's Janet Yellen. Okay, great. But we, we know if we look back in our past, this is something we are constantly dealing with. And I don't know why do you well it's it's if it depends on who you're talking to um if you talk to one sector of the population it's because we need to make sure that we can not you know pay our bills but but progress forward and make sure that people are included in the path forward whether it's economically uh, through jobs or educationally or anything of that nature, and that takes money. Uh, the other side, you look at it as uh, they look at it as spending, and we need to cut down our spending. And we're we're spending way too much on maybe you know pork bills or pork pork stuff in some of these issues and some of these bills that get passed that are more important. So the thing with the the debt ceiling and and. It's terrifying, Jonathan. It's absolutely terrifying. I watch, And here we are once again, here we are once again having to deal with this. I don't understand why policy hasn't been passed where you can't do this. You can't ignore it. You can't just let it go. You have to deal with it immediately. And that's what really frustrates me about this whole idea about the United States defaulting on its debt. We did that in 2011, and it was ugly. Yep, and and this is the thing. I, li- I watch talking head shows and all this stuff. Some might say junk. And people will rip on the media. You know, the media is too uh, in your face and, you know, the gloom and doom and all this. This one I will put a little bit on the media because, yes, the debt ceiling has come and gone. But this won't technically affect us until later in the summer as far as I've heard. We we won't get to that point where we might default until, from what I was hearing, like August. So we have time, and it's annoying. I understand that it's annoying, but it's like okay, let's let's rein it back in for a second. So maybe we can have someone look at this and say, okay, let's get this done. Let's get this. No, work a done. second is not long enough. You know that. And I know that you just mean that as a, you know, uh, but, but seriously, we, we have to do way more than this. You know, Yellen um, was found saying that um, the financial forecast is a part of the Biden administration's attempt to put political pressure on the new house GOP 
majority to raise the debt ceiling without delay or hesitation. This is the same conversation we have all this all the time. And they asked um, Yellen, you know, okay, it, it, it makes me nervous. And she said, of course, it makes me nervous. <laughs> right? And she said, it would be devastating. It's a catastrophe. I don't understand why we go through this way too often. Why don't we just do it? Not just because, you know, we don't we don't want to have to play those games between the Democrats and the Republicans, why can't we just do it for the people of the country to make sure that they don't have to suffer? We don't have to suffer. Yet oftentimes we do. It is so frustrating to me. It's almost like they're playing a game. They can sit back, drink some beer or some wine or something stronger, and they just have a ball, you know, taking you and I and just putting us on the board in any place they can, even though we don't deserve to be there. That's what I mean. I mean, you have the sentiment of, a, I would say, a lot of people out there that some people are sitting in ivory towers and they are they are saying, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And then six months goes by, a year goes by, two years go by, and nothing gets accomplished. Nothing substance, substantial gets done or passed or whatnot. And you have a lot of people out there that are frustrated. Now, we have to hold on to that frustration a little bit because events could happen, like what happened two years ago or what happened in Brazil recently. So we have to try to rein it in a little bit. We can't get too over the top with it. But the frustration, whether you act out on it or not, is there. It's there. There's no denying it. Well, the House Speaker is now Kevin McCarthy, right, a Republican. And as I keep reading these articles and and trying to understand what it is that Yellen is trying to tell us, which, of course, she's screaming out loud, this is going to be a catastrophe for us. We're already in a major crisis. We're already there. And now we're going to add this on top of it. How much more can we handle, really? How much more can we handle? (sighs) I think that's the story of this country. If you if you put a sub motto under this country, it's probably the question: How much can it handle? Because it's gone through a lot in various ways. This through, is true through various issues, and it always seems to come out maybe not smelling like a rose, maybe smelling like a tulip. I don't know, uh, but but you wonder how long that will last. It's like you keep right. pushing, you keep pushing and pressing and pushing and pressing buttons. The one that's going to go kablooey in your face, maybe the next one. You never know. Exactly, it gets ugly, doesn't it? And I have to say that our, our treasurer Yellen, um, she has been working on so much. You know, she's the one by law that is the nation's bookkeeper on the debt ceiling. She's also the timekeeper. So so this woman has a lot of power. The problem is those that that kind of sneak in behind the, you know, and, and they're they're just um, you can't even see them, you can't hear them, but they're just causing all type of problems. And I, I keep looking at this, going, why do we keep getting here? And the rest of the world is looking at us, going, what's wrong with you guys? Why do you do this? You know it has to come due. You know you got to pay it. What are you doing? I don't know. I, I, I get so frustrated by it. I really do, Jonathan. I think, I, think some, some, I think some people around the world look at this and they 
there's a range of emotions. Some people look and they're, they're worried. They're saying, okay, you're supposed to be the example for the rest of the world. What are you doing? Some people are looking at it and saying, well, that's your up-and-comings for, for strutting around with your chest out saying you're the best in the world and you lead the world and blah, 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 blah. And some right. people are looking at it and laughing and saying, huh, look at these guys. What are they doing? And, you know, she took a trip. She went, she went to uh, Africa. Um, and her first stop was in Dakar, and she dismissed a Republican proposal to prioritize debt payments. Um, a few days later in Zambia, after calling Beijing uh, a barrier to Zambia's debt restructuring process, China's embassy in Lusaka unloaded on Yellen and America's own catastrophic debt problem. And we do have a catastrophic debt problem. There's no doubt about that. I hope to get an ex, uh, expert on this next Sunday, Jonathan, because this is something we need to talk about until it's finally done. And I don't understand why we keep going through it. It's like we punish ourselves. I don't get it. All right, we got to take a break and we'll come back in a few minutes. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's now 7.22 here at WCCO, and as Jonathan and I are, are having our banter, I still enjoy it, Jonathan. Thank you. Also, the good news is that Michael Battle will be back joining us tonight for the Mom and Michael Hour. That's at 10 o'clock p.m., the last hour tonight, and we look forward to having him on. He has so much to say. And, of course, with the 29th Annual SAG Awards, the scorecard, Jonathan and I have kind of looked around at some of these motion pictures that neither one of us have seen. But I will say, when you see certain names on the list, Jonathan, immediately I sit up. Like Kate Blanchett is such a great actress, and so is Viola Davis. Oh my gosh. I don't understand um, why some people have said to me, well, the woman king really shouldn't be on the list. Someone actually said that to me. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? So yeah, um, I just keep hoping and wishing that um, we will get some really diverseness, <laughs> diversity uh, on, on these motion pictures and um, to see who's doing what and and find out what people are really thinking about it. So when you look at this list, uh, what do you say about who you'll be choosing? Well, I, I want to see the 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 films, of course, first. But mm -hmm. some of these you've seen coming. Uh, yes. The Brendan, you talk about Brendan Fraser and the Whale. 
that's been talked about since um, I believe it was at Can- was it at Can or at Ven- I think it was a Can um, that they talked about his performance in that, and you had a feeling early that that was going to be something that was going to stick around during uh, award season. You look yeah. at a uh, something like. Elvis and Austin yep, Butler. I was going to say that. Yeah, that's, that's another yeah. performance that people were really raving about. Uh, later films, The Fablemans, it, it just had that look in the tr- in the promos and the commercials of one of those films that is going to be gushed over. It's a Steven Spielberg film. Spielberg it's really his it's, story, isn't it? Uh, from Something what I've like heard, that. it it's yeah. it's kind of it's 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 got some connections, but it's. Um, it's from what I can tell, that's kind of in the same vein as what uh, Belfast was a couple years ago, and some of mm-hmm. those type of pictures. So I'm not surprised that's on the list. Everything, everywhere, all at once has been talked about because I yeah, believe that came out early in the been year. Talked about yeah, but Till has not been talked about as much as I thought it should have been. No, it, it I, hasn't been. No. Yeah, and Daniel Deedweiler or Deadweiler. Deadweiler, um, I believe. Yeah. yeah. It was a part of Teal, of course. And, you know, I'm, I'm just curious to see how it's all going to play out because we've got some really great people on the list. There's and, no doubt about that. And Women Talking is a um, um, an outstanding – this is a performance by a cast in a motion picture. So that was one of the pieces. And I looked up Women Talking and I thought, okay, it's based on a novel – um, it's what they call a timely political parable yes. with a stellar ensemble cast. It, I don't the, know the if cast I'll see is, that. The cast is a powerhouse cast. Do you, can you tell me who they are real quick before we have to go? So uh, the cast of Women Talking, uh, the, the one big name that you'll know more than anyone else probably on this is Frances McDormand. Uh, she oh, is, a, gosh, I believe, now a three-time Academy Award winner. Um, right. She is uh, a powerhouse actress and i would say she's approaching meryl streep territory as well. wow yeah i i would i would actually say that um she is she has been nominated uh, for a, a couple other times but she is just a force right now um claire foy who most people will know as um queen elizabeth from the crown mm-hmm. uh, oh Je- yeah michael loved that show yeah. jesse buckley who is a a, a big time up-and-coming irish actress um, Rooney Mara, Mara, who is part of a, uh, you could call it a sister act. Her, she's the younger sister of Kate Mara. Um, yeah. she's real tiny, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, Mara sisters so. are, are fairly, mm-hmm. fairly small, I believe. Um, but mm-hmm. she's she's a fairly fairly small one, but she's a phenomenal actress. I've seen her in a couple of of productions that have been up for SAG Awards in the past, and she's really good. So you just those four right there. That's that is, pretty awesome. That is That's a big time awesome. cast. That's a big time yeah. quartet. An outstanding performance by a female actor in a drama series. It is suggested that even Zendaya is on this list for the the, the movie uh, Euphoria. For the show. And That's I was a show. Really, That's a show. Oh, it's a show. Thank you very much. She, I think, is really quite remarkable in that she's going to go a long way in her career. Uh, God willing, you know, I just think, wow. And then I saw um, Christina Applegate on the list for Dead to Me. Yes. Wow, it's a long time since I've heard of her being on the list. But but just remember, I don't look at the list all the time. So. Right. So, okay, we only have a couple of minutes left. Is there anything you want to mention on the list so far? Um, there are some it's interesting scorecards. There are some interesting things on the list that, again, I'm I'm looking at 
everything everywhere all at once. Uh, there's a woman on there the name of, by the name of Stephanie Shu. She's up for best supporting actress. She's in. Uh, I, I know of her from. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She's on that uh, show, that Amazon show. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see her in that role. But people like Kihei uh, Kwan, who was a child actor, a child star in the He's Indiana super Jones. super famous already. Man. Indiana Jones yeah. movie mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, I believe the first movie and The Goonies. And the now Goonies. he's don't, don't even speak of that movie. I don't like it at oh, all. Oh, I love that movie. That's a great movie. <laughs> you did. It was It was made here, wasn't it? Let me think about that. No, 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 no. That's that's the one in Oregon. That's oh, the one okay. that's set in Oregon. You okay. might be thinking. I know of what movie, movie you're talking about, though. Yeah, I know the movie. Yeah, because everyone talked about it. But here in the great um, state of Minnesota. people like him and Brendan Fraser and Paul Dano, um, names that you might have heard in the past. Adam, Sand- like you said, you mentioned Adam Sandler's up for an award. I I'm know, really right? intrigued to see so what surprised. this is called. Hustle. Yep. I was very, very surprised at that. Um, and, of course, Michelle, is it is her name pronounced Yo? Michelle Yo. Yo, um, Yo everything, everywhere, all at once. A lot of people know about her being in that particular piece. I mean, they say she's yes. stellar in that. She, so, yeah, I'm going to try my best be, to get them in. She may be the favorite right now uh, for the rest of the awards season. I think I think she's a favorite for the SAG. I think she's a favorite for the Oscar. Um, it's Dynamite Category with Viola Davis in it and with Kate Blanchett in it. But I think right now Michelle Yeoh is the favorite in that category. Yeah. Well, hey, there you are. We've come this far with this score uh, card, the 29th Annual SAG Awards, which is happening on February 26th at 7 p.m. Central Time. So if people want to check it out and see what the uh, what the uh, SAG Awards will say about it before we get to the Oscars. And then you, you always watch the Oscars, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, right, I Jonathan? don't. Okay. Okay. I surely well, don't. I, I, I don't usually, know why, I, but I don't. The the one of the main reasons I don't I, I don't watch a lot of award shows anymore. I I don't really watch the SAGs, um, but I don't watch a lot of these because I'm here, working right. with you. Well, okay, okay, okay. Before we have to go really quickly, um, I had a chance to work with Mel Streep, as you know, in the uh, Prairie Home Companion movie, and she was. Absolutely wonderful, kind, gentle, funny woman. And if there's one person I think of right now that has influenced my life, absolutely it is her, as well as Angela Bassett and so many more. Um, so I wish I had the, I could give the list right now, but we have run out of time. Jonathan, one, one, thank you so much. One other much. thing real quick on this, and this is something that I don't think a lot, I don't know if, a lot of people know about it. The SAG Awards are going to be broadcast. They're not going to be broadcast on standard television on ABC no. or CBS or NBC Netflix, or Fox. Right? It's going to be on Netflix YouTube yeah. channel. Mm-hmm. So it's it's taking another re- uh, route where it's going to be in a different space to, where for uh, for you to watch it this year. So if people are interested, they should know that. Well, people are going to have questions about that, that's for sure. Jonathan, thank you so much, and thanks for everyone that uh, stayed with us. Hope you enjoy the conversation. We're going to come back with our first guest, Dr. Julie Livingston, co-author of Cars and Jails, Freedom, Dreams, Debt, and Carceriality. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back, everyone. I am so excited to start start the show. We have some great guests tonight, and we are starting out um, with Dr. Julie Livingston, a co-author of Cars and Jails, Freedom, Dreams, Debt, and Carcerality. Let me tell you a little bit about her. For nearly 100 years, the automobile has been the main form of transportation in the U.S., 
But for all of the independence we experience behind the wheel, is there a more sinister side to the cars we've come to treasure so much? Great question. Well, the New York University professors and cultural analysis, Dr. Andrew Ross and Dr. Julie Livingston, explored the potential downside of their new book, Cars and Jails, Freedom, Dreams, Debt, and Carcerality. Dr. Livingston joins us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline to go deeper into the research. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Julie. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be with you. My goodness, I never thought to think about it this way. Cars and jails, freedom, dreams, debt, and carcerality. How did this come to be? Well, uh, both Dr. Ross and I uh, work in um, the research lab of the New York University Prison Education Program, and we're a group of formerly incarcerated student researchers and faculty who look at the relationship between the carceral system and financial debt. And in our research, we started to see the car appearing more and more, both as a site of contact between people and the police and as an overwhelming site of financial obligation. So we started to look at it in more detail. You know, what surprised me immediately was um, for as long as Americans have been driving, cars have been synonymous with liberty, the open road, their, their ribbon, that, that ribbon of highway, and have been sold to us as freedom machines that both reflect and advance the national ethos. I was very surprised to read that, and then I had to come to terms with it. That is absolutely correct. <laughs> Tell us more. Absolutely. You're so right. The car is a paradox. We love our cars as Americans, and they are a site of freedom, a way that we can move um, at our own rhythm, at our own pace. But particularly for black and brown Americans, Mm -hmm. they have um, historically not only desired those forms of freedom and had them sold to them, but had them highly curtailed, uh, whether through... um, sundown towns and highway patrols and all of the reasons that we know that it was perilous to be a a black motorist in the U.S. South before civil rights um, to all of the ways that uh, particularly black and brown and also working poor white Americans um, are subject to really heightened forms of policing when they get on the road. Yeah, and you state that cars have been powerful engines of inequality. For how long? How long has this been going on? I never would have thought of it that way. Well, I think it's been going on from the get-go, but it's really accelerated over the past several decades as um, we've really built a car-dependent landscape in this country, and yet American households spend, on average, a fifth of their budget on transportation. Mm. So transportation is a public good, but you need a private car in order to access the roadway. Um, U.S. uh, households are highly burdened by traffic debt. Uh, I mean, by uh, auto loan debt. Right now it stands at $1.52 trillion. That's Mm. the third largest personal debt burden in the country after home mortgages and student loans. Um, But unlike owning your own home or investing in an education, the car loses value the second you drive it off the lot, 
And again, it's compulsory. It's not optional. Yet there are people, excuse me for interrupting you, yet there are people who would rather drive that car as expensive as it is, might not even be able to make the payment the next month. They'd rather drive it for a small amount of time. If it can't be a long amount of time, at least they've driven it. They can actually say, I'm in this car, I've been paying for this car, and then all of a sudden things fall apart. Do you agree? I think that that absolutely does happen. But for many, many of the people we talked to, and we did dozens of interviews for this book, driving is really not optional. People may get upsold a nicer car than the one they went to the dealership to look for, but that doesn't mean that they necessarily um, have a choice as to whether to invest their income in driving. In most parts of the country, uh, particularly in rural America and in, mm-hmm. even in most of the urban core, it, there's simply we do not have robust public transportation systems that allow people to get to work, to get to church, to get to the grocery store, to parent their children without access to a private vehicle. And that private vehicle is very costly. Isn't that the truth? Oh, my goodness, it gets worse all the time. The thing I've tried to do uh, in my life, I was really encouraged by my parents, especially my mom. She, you know, would say, don't get in debt when it comes to a car. Don't try to buy something too fancy. Just get something that works really well and keep going. You know, she, she in fact, her, she would always say to her children, you know, um, um, let me make sure I get this right. Um, um, if you are a high-class walking Instead of low-class driving, that's the wrong way to do it, right? (laughs) Or is that the right way to do it? But she would say that all the time, Geraldine, low-class driving is better than high-class walking. So I've always thought of it that way. And I'm just curious to know if other people, I've asked other people, in fact, you know, is that the truth? Is that how we should look at this? Because we have been... Um, sent uh, this this gigantic list of why we should spend all this money on cars. I'm the one who want to pay my car off early every time, and I usually do. And I just had to buy a car not long ago. God, look, look, pray for me, okay? That's all I want to <laughs> say, Julie. Pray for me. Tell us more about uh, the research that you're doing. Well, you know, I think that many of the people we talked to, not all of them, but many of them shared that philosophy that your mother had. But um, because our research looks both at debt and at the U.S. system of policing jails and prisons, we talked to a lot of people who were coming out of a stint in jail or prison. And while they were incarcerated, they were economically inactive. Because of that, regardless of their credit history before they went in, their credit score took a dive. Mm -hmm. On the way out, now with a credit score in the basement, they are only available, or or the only option for them is a subprime loan. And a subprime loan, you really do not get to negotiate the terms. So we talked to quite a few people who were interested in getting like a bottom-of-the-line used Honda. But at every dealer, at the dealership they would go to, they would be offered only a loan on a BMW or a Mercedes E-Class because Mm -hmm. the dealership was not regulated. And so the dealership saw these people basically as red meat. They had saved up for a deposit. They would put two or three thousand dollars down in the car. They'd make a couple months of payment and then the car would be repossessed and the dealership can turn around keep the money that they've taken from them 
and resell it to the next subprime borrower. Mm. That is painful to just hear you say that, knowing that you know, they're constantly being, they're never being sold the truth. That That's the painful part of it. So where do we go from here? You found out all of this information. You know how difficult it is for those that go into prison, those that are coming out of prison. The, pr- the problem is still there, and it's painful, especially for those of us who didn't know. I didn't know this was happening. So I'm very grateful that you um, and Ross have given us this information now. Now what do we do with it? We have a couple of recommendations. First of all, we strongly believe that the um, used car businesses, the auto dealerships and auto uh, loan businesses need to be better regulated. There need to be caps on interest rates and there can't be workarounds, which there currently are. There's too many loopholes in the system by which people um, can really be preyed upon, working poor people in particular. Second of all, you know, um, every day, some 50,000 motorists in this country are pulled over by police. Studies show a clear pattern disproportionately targeting drivers of color. They can be pulled over for any one of hundreds of traffic code violations that have little to do with public safety. And yet traffic stops account for approximately 10% of all deaths at the hands of police. Last year, an investigation by the New York Times found that over the past five years, on average, more than once each week, an unarmed driver or passenger who was not the subject of pursuit for a violent crime was killed by police. Most recently, we see this tragically with Tyree Nichols. We need to get armed police out of the traffic business. There How do we no do that? What is- well, we ha- we, they are not in toll booth enforcement. They don't give parking tickets. We have cameras on our roadways that issue uh, tickets when you pass through a toll now. They can also be speed cameras. There are many other ways um, that we can keep our roadways safe without introducing this practice that for some drivers winds up being extremely, extremely unsafe. Mm. Um, So we believe that uh, armed police need to be removed from traffic enforcement. And I imagine that many police would be more than happy to be doing other things than pulling people over for failure to signal or low tire pressure or whatever else. And third, we need public transportation in this country. It's not that we're ever going to get rid of private cars entirely, nor should we. But we need reasonable alternatives so that people aren't compelled. People who cannot afford to drive are not compelled to purchase a car. You know, I think if people really study or read the... um how we got cars in the first place. You know, it used to be electric cable cars and, you know, Mm -hmm. many, many people could get on that. And then all of a sudden, I think it was Ford who decided, no, 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 we're going to put, you know, these vehicles on the streets. And many people couldn't afford them. I remember so many different movies, books, stories that told us about people of color, you know, wanting to buy that really beautiful car so that they can see that I'm doing well. I'm, You know, it was a statement of you're moving up and forward. And today it doesn't seem seem to be the same thing. Do you see it as the same way even today? I do think that cars still carry a certain amount of status um, in them. 
And I think that's something that people whose status is publicly denigrated really want and need. And I include in that people who are coming home from having been incarcerated. So mm-hmm. I think that those, um, those elements of status are still meaningful. But that said, uh, I think that we've also, at the same time, denigrated public transportation as a lesser way to travel. And so, I mean, what if we had a system of bullet trains in this country like they have in Japan that were right. all beautiful inside? So you didn't have to go through the humiliations of getting on a plane that you'd paid the economy, you know, ticket for, et cetera. What if we had beautiful, gleaming, clean electric buses or cable cars or all the rest of them? Um, I mean, I think there are other ways that we could generate status and that would enable us to be with one another um, as we transport ourselves across our communities. My goodness, um, this is definitely a book that people can purchase, correct? Absolutely. All right. Tell us where we can get it. Uh, you can get it on bookshop.org. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it directly from the publisher, which is or, O-R, books. Four books. And it's in, My goodness. Uh, you know, in bookstores in your community, hopefully. Dr. Julie Livingston, I am so happy that you joined us tonight. Co-author of Cars and Jails, Freedom, Dreams, Debt, and Carcerality. Um, Really incredible. I will be getting that tonight before I go to bed. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for your interest in these issues. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Take care of yourself and stay warm. You too. Okay, thanks. (laughs) Bye-bye. That was Dr. Julie Livingston. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back in just a moment. It is now 7.55 here at WCC. Oh, my goodness, how we are moving fast past these, this 8 o'clock hour. It was really an interesting conversation, I believe, with um, Miss Livingston. And I find it interesting as I think back on when I got my first car. Uh, there was a man that I was engaged to marry when I was a, a senior in high school. That didn't work out. <laughs> But he drove a car. You could literally see the street underneath. You know, it was a big hole in the bottom of his car. And I didn't get a car until I moved to Minnesota. And that first car was just billowing black smoke as I was coming down the street. I didn't know what to do. And, of course, my brothers, J.D. and Fred, lived here. And so Fred took over and said, no, no, we're going to deal with this. And I'm so grateful that he did because cars really do matter. First of all, we need them um, in a a certain type of way. Um, But when you try to get something that really doesn't fit you, doesn't fit your budget, that's a problem. Get away from doing all of that, you guys. Do what you can do. Do what you can do. Get something that will, you know, if you have to get a motorcycle, <laughs> get something that can get you where you need to be. That's for sure. Jonathan, you've never had a bad experience with that? I've been fortunate. Um, I've had a couple of ca- three cars um, since I got out of school or got out of high school. Um, my parents helped with the first two, basically, and they were new cars. So um, I... I had the first car through most of college. The only reason I didn't have it after college was because I got in a wreck um, Mm. right about a month before graduation. Um, The second car I held on to for 18 years. Wow. About 18 years. Yeah, I got it right after graduation. Didn't get rid of it until um, uh, uh, 2020. Uh, March 2020, right before the pandemic. 
and then I have the new car, new work car that I'm paying off now. So I've been very fortunate. Yeah, me too, man. I don't try to buy the big fancy cars. Um, but this new car that I have is very interesting to me. It's something that I never would have purchased before. So there you go. This is my first round at that. Um, okay, everyone, coming up next, of course, we're going to have um, Mike Noah Kowski is going to join us. He's the owner of Ticket King. You do not want to miss this interview. All right, stay tuned. We'll be back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.